said that this was quite slight, but I went and it, it's it's slightly, it's not massive, massive going off of one, but it is less slight than I led you to believe before. <laughs> there's a there's a little bit of extra meat in there that I that I couldn't resist. But but that's what I that's love okay. about that, Sheps, is when you tell me slight and the way that you would say it after our, you know. God, 30 plus years of friendship now. You would know that I know from whatever inflection to the minute what your pitch is likely to be just by the inflection of your voice. <laughs> and I'm making an adjustment for 24 minutes is 23. Right? Solid, solid. <laughs> but it's okay. It's good stuff. Ah, oh, well, should we just roll into it then, Sheps? Should I give I the old it, intro? Jimmy. All right. I'm bloody loving it. <laughs> All right, well, welcome to Shoulders of Giants. I'm Jimmy. Hey there, I'm Sherpy. Bit uh, too much enthusiasm, maybe. I don't know. Yours was pretty mellow. It's like, hi, welcome home to evening drive time. And I'm like a bit zany. <laughs> you can have the breakfast show and I'll take drive time, Sheppy. I'll, I'll, oh, yeah. It's good stuff. It's like, bop, 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 bop. Welcome to the crazy hour. <laughs> so that's nice. Hello, everybody. Nice to see you. That never gets old either. I'm a big fan of that these days. Um, yeah, well, like ships. We've got what have we got? We've got Sean of the Dead today. Sean of the Blooming Dead. That's what well, I said. Oh, what are we? Well, all right. So this is good stuff. I like it. I like your verve. You're on point. But uh, but let's take it back a notch. Um, Jimbo, nice to see you. Nice to see me. Nice to see everyone. What is this that we're doing right now? <laughs> I don't know what that even means. <laughs> Sounds dodgy, honestly. Oh, God. Dear listeners, the energy is going to be hot, hot, hot because... I we- don't know. I think I, I peaked. <laughs> Sheffy and I are on the same time zone near enough at the moment, which is very exciting, rather than doing yeah. our, our normal morning or evening. So It's rare. Yeah. I'm loving it, yeah. We're <laughs> practically touching touching Jimmy oh god and if this is your very first ever pod for us and my god if it is and you're still here I don't know even <laughs> no if you, we want you to listen <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I don't want to be a member of a club that would have me as a member <laughs> exactly right and uh so uh we are the what if podcast for movies sequels prequels tv shows spin-offs bits and bobs the alternate celebration of that which we love Sheppy it's nice yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll go with that. Absolutely. So, Jimbo, tell us all, because we're all dying to know. This week, you set us the uh, the sequel challenge of what we're going to talk about. What film is it? I set us the sequel challenge to the, I think it's fair to say, classic now? I would say Why so. Not? Yeah. Classic Zom-Rom-Com, Shaun of the Dead, Shepard. Would <laughs> I that like be that? Uh, yes, you could have added a nom at the end, but yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah, uh, the classic. Is it, I'm going to say, and I should probably know this, 2006? I don't five? know. I'm going to say five, actually. I'm going to Google. I think it might be that as well, actually. I think it's 2005. Uh, 2004, 04. Oh, yeah. there you go. Uh, it is a bit of a classic. Yes, Edgar Wright. Peg, um, Stevens, um, although did you change her name? It's not Stevens anyway. I'm now just thinking of space. 
Uh, it's, you, got, you got your peg. You got your peg. You got, you got your, your frost. frost. <laughs> and isn't it terrible that it's I always Jessica forget? Stevens, isn't it? Yeah, but and she is in it, but she's not the, yeah. the main lady. Uh, she's got her own, like, film going on, Stevens. Stevenson, and sorry. Stevenson, Stevenson, yeah. Right. Well, aren't we terrible? You know you're Peg and Frost, everything else just drops out. Um, Jimbo, I, I'm a big fan of Shaun of the Dead. I'm assuming you are as well. To get into that for a second, I think if we take it a step back, I mentioned it before, but did you... Were you a fan of Space before Shaun of the Dead came along and you were like, oh, it's the film made by these people, or was it the other way around? Other way around, Sheppy. Yeah, I was late to Spaced. I think pretty hot fires. It came between the two, but yeah, right. Spaced, you know, play. there in Space, the DNA, isn't it? But uh, you, which way around were you? Yeah. Um, I was both. What I'll say is this. Um, I <laughs> Well, let me, let me clarify that. At university, my friend Matt Startup showed me the first episode of Space. Um, so that was the first um, I'd done with. But, but then for whatever reason, I didn't watch any more. And I can't for the life of me imagine why, but I didn't. It wasn't like, oh, well, that's nice. No more for me. Between you and me, Jimmy, I suspect it, I was intoxicated when I saw the first episode of Space at university. Um, and so I, I watched it, but it kind of washed over me and I knew it was great, but it didn't, I wasn't like clambering for more. I woke up, it was like, I remembered it as one would a fever dream. So then it was a few years later and I knew that Sean of the Dead was going to be something nice. And I, I must have known some of the players pre from previous things, but again, I don't know if Peg was in some Alan Partridge stuff, but I don't think I was like, oh, there's the guy from some Alan Partridge episode and Big Train, but I never watched that, which was a sketch show back in the day as well. So, yeah, so really, yeah, it was Shaun of the Dead and then I, I did Space, um, certainly fairly quick smart after that. Yeah, and of course, it's all very solid, very solid stuff. And then, of course, Hot Fuzz and then again, I don't think I saw The World's End at the cinema. I don't, maybe I'm wrong. But the fact that I've forgotten, I'm sure I did. I'm sure I did actually see it at the cinema. But the fact that I have, I have forgotten when I saw it says it all, really. Um, did you see, oh, well, actually, um, back in Peg, in it, I want you to mention. Oh, your... I yes, tell that story. yeah, I, I bet, and I and I totally <laughs> deliberately torpedoed, but I would like you to, yeah, so so tell us that. So, you <laughs> saw these three films, what have become known as the Cornetto trilogy, you saw them at the cinema, uh, am I right? I did, Sheppy, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, no, actually, to be fair, Sean, the dead, I think I saw on DVD. Oh, so I really came quite late to the party there. Definitely, you know, sort of aware of it, aware of people loving it. I'd never even seen Dawn of the Dead at the point that I saw Shaun of the Dead, so I wasn't even sure what they were lampooning. But Shaun of the Dead, I've now seen about 10 times. I absolutely adore it. I think it's just a spectacular movie. I have not done it justice in my sequel, spoiler alert. But um, <laughs> but it's just, um, it's, it's one of those movies I really just find it better every time I go back to it. It's richer. 
the gags land even better every time. You know what I mean? It's just so yes. good because it's so thick yeah. and fast. And I'll say the same for the first half of Hot Fuzz as well. I think the first half of Hot Fuzz, spectacular, really funny, great. What I love about Edgar is he's just such a good visual storyteller. Like, yeah. so good. He always does stuff like, even like Hot Fuzz when he's carrying his plant from A to B on the train and stuff. Like, it's just so cool how... Mm. Edgar Wright does all that stuff. It's so zippy, isn't it? Yes. And um, that, that's a film, uh, Hot Fuzz, where you get like, you realise you're 20 minutes in and you're like, have we had a credit of some sort? Yeah. And and it's one of those where it just, you're, you're in it like immediately to the same extent as let's say Casino, where it, it just has this momentum that just goes and goes like nothing else. And yeah, it sucks you in. At a, at a crazy level. So yes, I agree with you there. Um, now, and then the third, the third one with World's End, you saw. Yeah, I did. I, I, try, I can't remember the full story of the Sheppy. And you may remember it better than me. You gave me back my own quote from it. But I went to see it on my own because G wasn't that interested in it. I don't. I mean, I don't like that movie particularly. It's almost because Simon Pegg is unwatchably good as a record, you know, an alcoholic in it in right. some ways. He's, he's, um, it's trick. It's a tricky watch, I think. But um, but yeah, I remember watching it on my own in Wandsworth in the I think City World there, and like getting in. I think as as the credits were opening, and uh, you know, it was literally the BBC uh, BBFC uh, certificate sitting down. And then this kid came in later than me to the same cinema and sat next to me. And we were just total strangers. We watched it literally in the front row, craning our necks, got through the whole movie, chuckled a bit, the all the rest of it. And the credits rolled and at the end with the Cornetto like flapper on the on the yeah. fence and Nick Frost looking out at the apocalyptic future. And um, and I just turned to this fellow next to me and I just said, What do you think of that? And he just goes, well, it's Peg, in it. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Yeah. It was Peg, wasn't it? Yeah, it was Peg. That's great. Um, <laughs> a good the, review. The only extra element that I remember from that story is so you arrived and you're watching the film, but I, again, this is for me vaguely remembering you telling me this story like a long time ago, but the, the kid, who I'm assuming was not an actual child, no. but... Um, but he came in um, not, you know, like even like 10 minutes into the film or something. Yeah, and, he I think it was late, actually. and he plopped down next to you and he opened communication with you and said, like, what have I missed? And you're yeah. like, oh, well, there you go. They're, they're going on a, drug, uh, on, a, uh, on a bender and they're going to these pubs, you see. And you know, I mean, he's recovering alcoholic. He's like, oh, right, yeah, cheers. That's what I remember. So, that, so that's gave you like extra you know at the end you've gone through the whole film bonding with it, this 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 young man and then <laughs> like so what do you think so it wasn't as random as you literally just turning to a stranger next to you which that's isn't true. really nice. thing. and um, just say by the way the yeah that's not really form is it do that and then but i do actually also think there were other options for that young man as he came in and he decided to sit next to me. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you were both in the front row, I'm assuming then, though, that the, it was relatively packed. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah. That's, but, um, but yeah, he didn't need to go right next to you. It's like, you know, he doesn't deserve this, this level. No, 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 we're really going off the wall, but I like it a lot. 
If I may then ask you, what is your order for this trilogy? Then, Because I'm the same with you in terms of World End. I saw it at the cinema and I know I did. Um, and I didn't love it. And then I didn't see it again until fairly recently, maybe six months ago, watched it again. Oh, wow. and, and I, it was the same. It's like, it's great. It's well-made. It's, you know, it's got all of these brilliant elements. It is peck in it and it's right. And so it's got all of these nice, juicy things, but it's certainly my least favourite of that trilogy. And it doesn't, you know, for whatever reason, grab me, grab um, I think it's an easy question to answer, Sheppy. I think it's very obviously Sean Hot yeah. World in that order. Would it be the same for you? Or, yes. Yeah. Can um, I ask you a more tricky question then to mm. counter? Would you, um, if you could only keep Spaced or those three movies, which would yeah. you keep? I think I'd keep Spaced. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah I think but, so. you know, there's more of Spaced. So, yeah. you know, that's, that's one element. Um, and also, I have to say, and this is slightly controversial, but I, I mean, I like, I really, really like Hot Fuzz, but I don't love it. Um, and I, I, I'm not sure exactly. It's possibly that it kind of, it's the action thing, but it's also the Wicker Man type element. And I figure it doesn't need both. Um, yeah, I'm with you. And also, you know, I get this with Matthew Vaughan films, actually. Very slick, very good. But, uh, you know, and this isn't even against the film, or, you know, or in this case, Hot Fuzz. It's just that it's sort of spoon-feeding certain elements. Like they sit in Hot Fuzz, they sit down and they watch Bad Boys 2 and, and Point Break, <laughs> and you see the clips. And, it, and so it's like, I don't need my references that heavily fed me and it's the same with say the kick-ass or uh, the kingsman films it's the same sort of thing but then again maybe it's you know it's it those films let's say kingsman uh for people who have like vaguely remember watching one or two more film once so you know but it's too it's too much so that's another element that i got a slight problem with in I'm with you. That might be the moment where the film starts to unravel, actually, just after that scene, you know. Right. But it does have Timothy Dalton. And apparently he has the moustache in that film because Egg is such a Flash Gordon fan and he wanted him to have a moustache like he does in Flash Gordon. So that's amazing. And of course, Dalton is amazing. I love Dalton anyway. But having him there and in that, that whole role, which he really attacks with such relish is a joy so so that's i I really really like hot fuzz it just isn't super duper scooper and the the isn't yarp the uh the fellow of game of thrones the hound the supermarket guy wow well there you go there you go you might well be absolutely correct i did not know that but i can sort of (laughs) see it in my mind yeah there's a lot to be said let me tell you this um, I saw, I had a very nice experience sometime, a long time ago again, went to the Prince Charles Cinema in, in London and saw um, it, Edgar, I think it was even four films that day, and Edgar came and introduced them, and it was, I believe, Point Break, and The Last Boy Scout, 
And I'm even blanking, maybe it was hard-boiled. Yeah, he loves that, I think. I've heard him interviewed a couple of times talking about that. But but maybe, actually, I'm thinking hard-boiled because I've heard those same interviews. Maybe it was three films, because four does sound like a bit excessive, even for Edgar and Prince Charles. So it was definitely Last Boy Scout, which I love anyway, and Point Break, which is great. Um, And maybe then, and then the third film was Hot Fuzz, but it was with a live commentary and everyone came like olivia coleman was there she said like three words because she was shy the whole way through but she was there constantine was there like who who i love as well and of course the main players and bill bailey was there and you know just like sitting in the front row and edgar of course and maybe the producer and they all had like little microphones and they would just like jump in and it was really the peg frost Wright and Constantine show um, they were really going off on one and it was very funny and they were drinking beers and I remember at one point someone shouted down like Paddy, Paddy I love you to Constantine and he was like I'm trying to sleep here and I just remember <laughs> that <laughs> so, so that was a nice experience that, um, that's really cool. so, so that was that was great <laughs> and so, so I like all of that but yes um, Sean is actually easily that's i think a five star for me it is a five star too it's really good and for me you know it's like um for example lost boys but even more american werewolf in london in that it is funny but it's not necessarily a lampoon it is a genuine zombie film which hits all of the right notes and it is it does get progressively darker and you know he fucking shoots his mum oh. and at the end and, and it's not of course done for a laugh and even the Bill Knight scene isn't done you know when he actually dies and you know they've made a big thing of him not liking him and then it is emotional um when he actually dies as a human and all of that um it is a genuinely excellent zombie film which is also this very funny comedy with this English, you know, DNA, which makes it funnier as well, um, which plays right into the whole pun title. It, it works very well. So, yeah. Um, so I, I like Shaun of the Dead is what I'm Me saying. Too, it's Shaffy. good stuff. I think I've always found it deeply distressing when his mum passes and he has... Yeah. Really and, a, and again, it's thingy. Who's great? And yeah, all, Penelope and, Keith. Oh, this is no, it because oh, exactly God. because you you see you've got your Richard Bryer's hat on and you're going in this direction and that direction. <laughs> I'm going in, Sheppy. It's not. Still, well, I it's, know, it's, I it's not. It's not um, the good life. It's evidently Wilson. I want to say maybe Penelope maybe Wilton. 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 Yeah. Wilton. Who's also in um, lots of things, of course, but also recently in Afterlife with Gervais. And she's oh, nice. in that. And she's in um, some Doctor Who as well. And then again, everyone's in Doctor Who at some point. But yes, yes, Penelope Wilton. Um, and she is. And also, she's so mumsy. Um, she's really got a massive mumsy thing going on. So that element is, yeah, it's very strong. So, yeah, it, it's a good film. And it does get dark and emotional, as the best zombie films do. Uh, so... Yeah, apparently Romero saw it and said to write, yeah, you you tick the boxes, you've got the ingredients, or yeah, he said something nice. like that. Yeah. yeah, so that's that's great. 
So before I've got two things to just cover then before we get to picture Sheffy then one is just around the um well I'll, I'll come back to the dead then on the, on that in a sec actually but just the other one was just in terms of then Wright's other output beyond the cornetto and beyond the gang and the troop the the troop that he regularly works with is it your favorite of his movies too Sean I think yes. it is me too. I I remember loving Scott Pilgrim. I need to rewatch that. It's very uh, close, to be honest. I I love Scott Pilgrim. Sean is kind of just sort of special, um, but I do love Scott Pilgrim. And after that, frankly, and I might even give Scott Pilgrim five stars as well. And I don't do that willy nilly, but <laughs> yes, right. I'm sticking by that. But there is a drop off. And, I, and again, it's probably then Hot Fuzz next. So I saw Baby Driver again recently, and I still haven't seen Last Night in Soho, and I'm up for it. But it's, it's always very watchable. He's, like you say, very, 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 very good visual storyteller. And I wish he had have made Ant-Man. But, and one day it would be nice if he made a James Bond. But in terms of all of that, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's Sean first and then, and then Pilgrim, but I do really like them but, yeah i think it's baby driver before fuzz for me as well mm. Sheppy. so nice yeah interesting stuff um i don't think we've missed anything you know um edgar no. also directed um they um they'll be in episodes of like the french and saunders uh, christmas special <laughs> from like the late 90s and he directed like the cinematic elements of those like that's the, nice yeah, and he was like, you know, 10 or something. He was like crazy, <laughs> crazy young. So that's also nice. Before we do get into anything else, though, you mentioned, I think, that you hadn't seen any zombie films when you saw Sean. Is that correct? I believe so, Shapir. Not really. Yeah, no, no, I don't think I had. Honestly. In terms Certainly of the, the Romero. Dawn. Yeah, not those ones anyway. Yeah. It, it's worth talking about this just for a second in that zombies, of course, are unique, unlike mummy or um, which are sort of are mummy type things, or vampires or werewolves, for example, being the big monsters. Zombies didn't exist before the sixties. Um, um, like they're they're new, and that's interesting. And they're inherently scary, perhaps because they move slowly, and so you could just run and run and run, but you are eventually going to be caught up with and the fact that there are just so many of them and all it takes is one bite and then you're just fucked you're fucked just from that one moment there's a lot of that um and of course then you know your friend gets bitten or whatever and then you have to kill them or they're going to turn and then you've got to kill them again anyway or they're going to kill you all of that element it's inherently tragic and also scary and 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 again the masses just the unrelenting masses um is scary. And I will say, I don't, I might have seen the very, very original Night of the Living Dead. Um, but if I did see it, it was such a long time ago and I don't remember it. But I saw the other Romero three, um, Day of the Dead, Dawn of the Dead. Oh God, no, yeah, fine. Dawn of the Dead, um, where of course this film gets its title from. Punnery. Uh, I always really, really liked Dawn of the Dead, and it was always my favourite. And I saw it when I was maybe fifteen, and I liked it a lot. And I and I taped it off 
BBC Two, I guess, and I watched it a few years, like over the next few years, quite a bit, and I really liked it. So for me, that has always been my favourite zombie film. And let me also quickly say, I like the remake and the um, Snyder remake mm. of Dawn of the Dead. Um, it's not as good, but I don't have a massive problem with speed zombies or anything, and it does work very well. So, so that's really it. And of course, I, I watched Walking Dead and I like that it has gone off the rails a bit for me at this point, but I, I am a fan. Of Walking Dead certainly is mad in terms of, it really had some lulls, didn't it, there, just in recent seasons, yeah. but it has had some five-star episodes as well, yes. even in the last season, like, you know, so, yeah. and what they've done with the Negan character, let's say, because this isn't really a spoiler for Walking Dead, is right. just very interesting. Yeah. And, and I think um, I sort of still love it. And I like the human element of Walking Dead. I like the pun that they've got on the title there, which is to say the Walking Dead isn't necessarily referring to the zombies, you know. Yeah, so it's yeah. just uh, yeah, it's cool. Yeah, and again, it's sort of like when when I first started watching Walking Dead, I was like, why hasn't this been done? It, it, the zombie story does work better long form because it is the end. It's not just surviving the night or getting out of this particular scenario. It's what does happen a year later or two years later. Um, and that's fascinating. So, yeah, I like that. That, by the way, Sheppy, is a beautiful segue to that second thing I was looking to say, which is that there is a bow on Shaun of the Dead, a very neat bow <laughs> at the end of the movie in many ways. Like, mm. not to say stakes have been removed, but they've been tamed. Yes. You know? And, yes. and it's a bit like... So where where do your stakes come from? It's not too hard to think of scenarios, but it is interesting. They definitely put a bow on it. And yeah. Um I'm so fascinated where you've gone with it, old buddy. To be honest. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Um, well, me too for you. Well, as I say, mine I should, should we do them? Or let's uh, jump in. Okay. Well, what mine is uh it's it's a two-star, I think it was lucky, Sheppy, but <laughs> as I did it. I laughed out loud at two ideas, my own ideas. I laughed at my own. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, great. <laughs> so That's I've, pure. I've been. We've, it's taken us a bit of time to get to this one, hasn't it? So I've been giggling and sitting on a couple of moments that I'm very excited to share with you. That's um, brilliant. But uh, but we'll get to that. In a <laughs> um, well, I can't wait. I mean, you, it was your suggestion, sir. So it's your your up, as it as it were. Can I ask you just one thing that actually doesn't even mean anything on my sequel, to be honest, but just it's all, it sort of does. Um, at the end of Shaun of the Dead, the um, so we have Ed in his shed. Yes. And uh, is he able to give Shaun a game on whatever it is that he's playing? Yes. So he has that cognitive ability. So yes. I'm trying to get to Yeah, cool. All right. Yeah. Because you remember... Yeah, that's the whole thing, and that's why they can put them to work, you know, in a yeah. supermarket, trolley people and stuff. Um, absolutely. Yeah, he's not just going to his shed to sit next to this, like, cadaver. He yeah. can play this game and have this experience with him. Really? And since Ed was only really one step away from totally being mindless in the first place, it, playing the computer game with him would be the exact same experience. Yeah. <laughs> So that's nice. That is nice. 
Cool. Well, all right. I mean, that doesn't really have any bearing on anything. I just wanted to just quickly reestablish that just in case there's a moment where I need to reference it or anything in a minute with a note. Um, so, all right, uh, Sheppy, I've just gone with a straight Shaun of the Dead too. Debated Siobhan of the Dead and having another, a sister or a cousin or something Brilliant. in a totally different cast, but no, no, no. Shaun of the Dead 2, Edgar Wright, 2006, um, two years later. Nice. I'm not even worrying about what we're sacrificing here. It's just Edgar's back. He's got, he can bloody knock these things out quickly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's I don't almost think... disrespectful. It, is, it sounds it? like you're giving him props, but actually, <laughs> oh, he can just knock out any old shit. <laughs> Amazing. Sorry, I, I love it. <laughs> so uh, we've got Simon Pegg as Sean. We've got Kate Ashfield back as Liz. We've got um, an actress called Sally Phillips, Sheppy. Now, I don't know if you're going to know her, but she's off a true... She's been in a few things. She may even be in Shaun of the Dead, and I don't care. She's going to do a pure Maud Adams wannabe and come back <laughs> to a different character. Um, but she's a, a British comedian, a comedienne, that was in Smack the Pony. Uh, which is oh. a TV show like on Channel 4 and stuff, you know, one of those sort of sketch shows. Mm. I had a massive crush on her. I think she fits this part beautifully. She sort of can play sexy and annoying at the same time, if you know what nice. I mean. So she's going to play a character called Caroline, which is essentially Liz's sister. Um, we've got Adam Buxton of Hot Podcast oh. fame, because I just like him and I want him to have more breaks, um, as a character called Pete. And we've got um, Paddy Considine in your man who's trying to have a snooze um, <laughs> as uh, a character called Niall Nails. I don't even know where I'm going with that, but uh, <laughs> but a rock star called Niall Nails. Niall um, Nails is amazing. And, um, Nick Frost is back as head as well. So nice. we uh, we have like a Romeo and Juliet, Baz Luhrmann style, like almost. Um, you know, just a bit of a static, like, you know, open with a little TV broadcast, basically. Um, and so it's the news. And um, this is before any Shaun of the Dead 2 shenanigans or anything. It's just straight from, uh, you know, the, the, um, the production companies into this. So TV broadcast. Um, it's a news update. Two bits of exposition are delivered in the news. One is um, re-establishing this idea of um, the zombies taking menial jobs, as you were just saying, you know, the trolley workers, et cetera, et cetera, and, and also Parliament. <laughs> and we just see the zombies in Parliament, they were giving it a, wah, 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 you know. How That's amazing. <laughs> oh, a bit of politics. <laughs> Why not? Because screw them at the moment, Sheppy. Um, and, um, and, and, and actually within that little bit of the update as well, um, they, they they talk about actually when people are exposed to the virus by be, being bitten or whatever, it's actually mutating faster now. So people are changing a little bit quicker, um, but that you know it's still broadly under control. And they've said it's broadly under control to the level where second update international borders. I don't know that they were closed at the end of Shaun of the Dead. Doesn't really matter. But for the you purposes of my sequel, yeah, they, they they're reopening basically, um, and um, so that's that's nice. And then he mm. sort of goes into his in other news, and in that moment we kind of pull out, um, and we see that actually we're watching a TV in an electrical store, and it's Simon Pegg's Sean's electrical store, which he's now running, um, and he's got a customer with him, and he's watching the, the TV, the customer through some 3D spectacles. And they're basically now selling 3D TVs. And Simon's basically saying, it's, sorry, Sean Simon is going to be interchangeable. My yeah. apologies, listeners. Um, but Sean is basically giving it the, see, this is your basic Romare 
3D. Romero 3D. Oh. I mean, yeah, but, and it look, you know, it looks like the newsreader is really with you reading the news next to you, you know, and the guy's like giving it the oohs and the ahs with the 3D specs and very happy. Um, and then Pete, our man Buxton, um, is is trying trying to get Sean's attention, and he's like, you know, Sean, and he's like, not now, Pete. And Pete is this geeky kind of newbie in the store because Buxton would be about twenty years younger here, right? Um, and um, and and as uh, as Sean's kind of like batting Pete to one side, he actually also spots there's a little old lady on the floor in front of one of the other three D TVs, just crawling around. She's got her specs on, she's crawling around. And Peg runs over to her to make sure she's all right, and is crawling around next to her. And he goes, he's going. I know it can be a bit disconcerting to start with. And uh, and Pete just goes, Sean, and that calling out to him again. It's like Pete, not now. You know, <laughs> you know Sean, you always get. Yes, I can say yes, perfect. <laughs> and then the old lady just says to Sean, "It's not the TV, dear. I've lost my teeth." And then Peg just like lifts up his hand, and there's a set of like gnashes uh-huh. on his hand, like you know what I mean. And just gives it a good. You know, Peg also has a great like horrified face you know yeah basically and then um and then basically pete gives it one last short and he's like not that and then he's about to stop and then he sees out the back the delivery for the smiths and um and pete says you better get outside and basically they've got a zombie that loads the tvs into the van and um and it's all gone wrong out the back and he's actually eating the intestines of an old man in the car park and sean's like oh it's the fifth customer this month the insurance alone and all this you know the paperwork and um, and all this sort of incident is kind of almost just norm now if you know what i mean anyway yes um it's the end of the day shift it's still pre um sean of the dead two moment you know but um sean is just completing the paperwork and pete's like you know can i help you out or whatever and we established that Pete has no life, really, you know what I mean? And, uh, and Sean's like, no, 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 it's all right. I've got it. I've got it. So Sean shuts up shop, starts heading home. And maybe there's like a, we then have the credits over the top as Sean goes home. Lots of nice little exposition, you know, just London Easter eggs from the first one and stuff. Yeah. I haven't really gone into detail, but he gets back to Liz um, and, and they're living together still. And that's going well. Um, with one twist, Liz's sister Caroline has come to visit them um, and came immediately after the incident of the first one and is still hanging around. Um, her fella got eaten as part of the last apocalypse and she's deeply kind of just resentful of Liz and Sean's relationship. Yeah. Doesn't think Sean is good enough for him. Um, and despite Sean saving Liz, you know, she just still doesn't think she's good, he's good enough for her sister and doesn't like him. She's constantly looking for dirt on him and stuff. And um, and at um, at some point when Sean's back uh, from from his shift, at, at this point Caroline sees Sean putting something in his shed where Ed lives, you know. Um, and we know that Peg has finally manned up and he's bought. I say finally manned up doesn't really matter, but you know he's manned up and he's bought Liz an engagement ring. And um, so he's put that in in the in the shed. And um, and all this stuff I've just given you, Shep, is basically. Um, explained by a bit of an expositionary chat between Peg and Frost in the shed. So you've got Sean and Ed playing a game again. Um, and it's something like, you know, Peg saying, you know, like, it's just Caroline, she's always here. I just feel it this way. And Eddie's like, and he goes, see, I knew you'd get it, mate. Like, you know, it's that kind of thing. <laughs> All that sort of stupidity. Um, and then, um, so anyway, 
Sean, Liz, Caroline, go to the new Winchester, which has been reopened. It's been super gentrified. There's like, um, you know, it's just ales rather than the cold lagers from the first one and stuff. And um, and Liz is saying that with the world reopened now and the borders open, let's get away. You know, she suggests Mexico. Let's get some tequilas on the beach. And um, and Peg immediately, Sean immediately thinks, um, you know, the holiday, I could propose on the holiday. And then Liz is like, you know, but we probably need to bring Caroline too because, you know, what happened with her fella and all this. So Sean's a bit crushed by this and he's sort of been backed into a corner and he goes back to the bar and has a heart to heart with the barman, um, who I don't know, could be, it wouldn't be right in a cameo because it needs to be like your big gruff character, you know. And he's I'm, not a big cameo person for himself. No, you're it right. Would, it would be like Mike Lee or something. Perfect. <laughs> so he says to Mike Lee, you know, all these problems, you know, my bloody missus, is, I would have proposed to her. And he goes, you know what you've got to do, mate? You've got to turn that holiday from threes a crowd to four. You've got to take someone with you to like, you know, get her off you. Then, you know, jump cut for your Edgar Wright jump cut, doorbell, pizza at the door with a suitcase yeah. out in Buxton. House is a bit mad as everyone's packing and stuff ready to go on holiday. Um, Pete meets Caroline for the first time. Um, and she's basically ignoring him um, and, and looking out of the window at the shed, you know, with this sort of suspicious thing. You know, Sean's got something going on in there. What's happening? And, um, and Pete's like, what's in there? You know, and she goes, oh, I, I don't know. That's the problem. And then she sees the opportunity, Caroline, to manipulate Pete um, and just says, would you find out for me? You know, and so Pete has a little look in the shed um, in the dark. It's a creepy scene. Nice Edgar Wright tension in the scene. Um, finds the light, it's very, very dark in there. So he finds the light, turns it on. And um, and when he turns it on, like Nick Frost's face is just like right there, like the Hulk with the match, you know, <laughs> like a, and you just hear it from Frost. And then Pete just turns the light straight back off again and then turns it on again as if to confirm. And when he turns it back on, Frost is just there with almost a shrug and a <laughs> as if re-delivering the line and, and, a, and this is a really shit moment Shep. it's like it's like Frost it's very obviously Frost playing a zombie giving a different line reading I just I can really see that in my mind that was my first LOL of the elements <laughs> anyway um, so anyway the foursome head to the airport and, and Pete at this point is holding his arm a little bit and wincing a little bit um, and um, the uh, so you know the, the suspicion being he's probably been bitten. Um, and at the airport, they see rock star Nile Niles arrive. Um, this is our man, uh, obviously Considine, um, arriving with his entourage, and um, and he looks like a bit of a dick. You know, he's sort of <laughs> swanning through the airport and stuff. And, um, <laughs> and and basically, you know, classic cliche rocker guy. Um, and and then um, they they're on the plane. We're on the plane. Not much happens in the airport. They'll probably there's lots lots of gags or opportunities there, obviously. But um, so they're sat on a row in the plane. Um, we've got uh, and Peg is actually in the three in a four seat. You know that middle section. Um, and Peg is between Liz and um, Sister Caroline, and he's watching Shawshank Redemption on the little um, nice. airport. Like you know, the little screen seat. on yeah. the back of the chair in front. Liz goes to the toilet, and when Liz goes to the toilet, Caroline has a little bit of a set to with him. They have some kind of exchange where um, he kind of annoys her and she harumps. They don't like each other, as we've established. 
um, and, uh, and Peg looks over at Pete, who's looking even sweatier and even more bitten, uh, but no one's quite noticing yet. Uh, but Pete kind of gives the romantically doomed double thumbs up because he thinks it's going great with Caroline. <laughs> but then, um, and then sort of like stands up to also go to the toilet too. Um, and Caroline just puts her eye mask over her. Peg continues watching Shawshank. He finds a packet of peanuts in the back of the seat, which might be somebody else's from the last <laughs> flight. But there's something skanky about Sean and Ed, I always think. And, <laughs> and he starts just eating those peanuts deep into, into Shawshank. Maybe even I could see Peg doing a little look at the back of the screen, just going, Brooks. And anyway, he... Uh, he he's just deep into the movie and does that Brooks moment and then he just glances back to his left and it's like a boom jump like and Caroline's head is next to his just totally bloated eyes almost closed he looks like a freaking zombie it's a really big jump scare and, uh, and Liz comes back from the toilet she's like holy shit Sean when you eating peanuts she's a nut allergy what are you doing and, that, and then this is where things start to ramp up into crazy the Sheppy so we cut to Pete looking around the plane for a toilet and the, the ones in economy are now fully occupied. So he uh, he goes into first class, just just goes through the curtain into first class, um, into the first class toilet cubicle. One of the flight stewards is obviously calling out to him, going, you can't go in there. And and basically Pete collapses into the, this is Adam Buxton, collapses into the cubicle and starts to mutate and change in the yes. toilet cubicle. Cut back to Liz saying to Sean we need to get her EpiPen like you know she's 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 got it in her bag somewhere and uh, and Sean's like rifling through the hand luggage to try and find the EpiPen and um, and this is like what the fuck Sean like this and he goes I, I didn't know because you didn't realize and he goes it, it was the movie I was distracted by the movie like Andy was just about to ask for the rope and she goes and then um, and Liz is still with her sister and she goes how long and he goes I think I think it only had about ten minutes to go. She goes since she was exposed. How long since she was exposed like that? And um, and then basically, um, he's like, "Where are all the flight stewards?" And all the flight stewards seem to be like missing. So um, Sean like walk, you know storms over to the sort of the 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 first class. They can't find the epipen. So Sean goes to the first class area as well to the curtain, strings the curtain across. There's just this crazy rock star style orgy party going on with Niall Niles at the front. And he just shugs the curtain back. He's like, maybe we should try the back of the plane. So he sets off to the back of the plane just as Pete wakes up in the toilet, fully zombified, bursts out of the first class cabin and starts to eat Niall Niles' entourage like mad. Sean finds a um, a flight steward, a first aid kit, but there's no EpiPen in there. The only other one we establish is with the pilot. Sean goes back to Liz to explain it. <laughs> Opens, I don't, I don't know why I'm laughing at my own gag. I'm sorry, Sheffy. Opens the curtains to first class. Absolute carnage of people eating people and all sorts like that. And, uh, and he closes it again and says, there's these bloody rock stars. <laughs> <laughs> and then, look, here we go. And then that's kind of where I've got to and the meatiest bit of it, Sheps. And then really, the, 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 the gist of it is we have a bit of a con air situation here, of course, where things are overrun on the plane. Pete is killed and eaten on the plane. You're obviously, he's gone, um, but but that, they have to kill him on the plane, you know. They find the EpiPen in the pilot's compartment. There's some kind of scuffle, a broken window or something in there as well, and, and the pen gets sucked out, um, so they can't use it. 
on Caroline. Niall Niles, they managed to get the plane to Mexico. Niall Niles survives that element of the story, turns into a lovely bloke. <laughs> so he's sort of like actually a great guy. Nice twist. Yeah, you have this sort of troupe where, um, you know, now we've got a different foursome, but Niall Niles has swapped out for Pete. They make it to Mexico in the plane because that's where essentially the computer is programmed to. So there's no sort of crash in the desert or anything. Um, but there is then a battle in the airport as well. And then this is where it starts to get a little bit like sketchy, Sheppy. But um, they 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 manage to um, kill off the majority of the horde of zombies because they're pretty experienced and stuff. Obviously, with Sean at the helm. Um, I have a question as to whether you think it would be too tonally mad because what you're saying really resonated with me before um, around whether or not Liz should make it in this one. But I'll come back to it at the very end of the movie. Um, but look, we get it right down to one zombie left who's not just been mutated faster, but is starting to do your Snyder and is starting to be able to move faster and, um, and seems to be the alpha of, of what was the herd. And then they actually play a bit of um, the final act is then basically. Um, playing a kind of a cat and mouse with this very, very, very scary, fast zombie. So they hatch a plan um, involving um, some Romare <laughs> 3D TVs in the airport, actually in the airport in one of the uh, duty-free areas. And, and the plan is essentially to, to make the zombie wear glasses so that they get confused by the image that they're seeing on the screen. <laughs> and so nice. basically they need to, within their little foursome, they need to hook the camcorder into the TV, shoot footage of Liz looking vulnerable using the camcorder to lure him, um, have Niall um, wrestle the 3D glasses onto the zombie so that uh, Sean can then lure him and kill him, basically. Which uh, they explain that, and then it becomes hook it, shoot it, give him three eyes, and tequila's on the beach by tea time. You know, so Classic. Like, you know, they do that in the first one. I love that where they yeah. do that. Um, <laughs> so it all works. And in my current version, everything's happily ever after. And um, either way, you could have a deeply emotional moment where Sean hasn't quite proposed to Liz yet. Um, and, and then she gets bitten and he gives her the ring and then has to kill her like his mum and we have the same beat as the first. But um, I, I quite like the idea of him actually getting to the beach and being able to ask her to marry him and Carol and rescuing with the EpiPen as well eventually from, you know, maybe the, the, the um, somewhere else in the duty free or, the, or somewhere. some kind of Maybe movie. the pilot got bitten and turned and he had the EpiPen and, they're try and so they're trying to get it from the zombie pilot at some point. Oh, I like that. But he should save Caroline, basically. Yes. I think that's a nice um, arc to that anyway. And, um, and we've got the four of them living on the beach in Mexico. Mm. And everything's happy. I put happy double couple trading places style. Mm. And then Sean just kind of sort of says to Liz at one point, there's just one thing missing, though. And then we have this little faded to black, faded out of the black. And Sean is sanding down a boat on the edge of the ocean. <laughs> and he looks up and he sees Ed inexplicably wearing a hat <laughs> like red's hat and Shawshank and he's coming towards him like a zombie <laughs> and then they have a little very careful tentative embrace on the <laughs> that's, that's how we wonderful end. Get, get busy living or get busy continuing to be dead classic <laughs> <laughs> that, that's great that's great um, I love it and, and yeah um, and also very nice twist. I really liked the fact that Nars Nars 
turned out not to be a total prick and you know rose to the occasion <laughs> uh, that's lovely i wish Does... i had more lines between him and sean i didn't really think i didn't really quite have the time to quite get to that moment you know but it's fine it's all good happy yeah no that's great uh, and i like the whole plane thing and and all of that it's great i would say is it set because I, I guess the film was made two years later right it's 2006 yeah. Is it set two years later as well? I feel like it's that kind of time, yeah. But right. it, I'm wondering if there's anything, if 3D TVs even existed then. Oh, yeah. No, no, I'm sure that's fine. Um, that's, that's, yeah. I will say, I don't know, I don't think it's like a big secret that Ed's in the shed. I mean, it could be, but I don't, you know, I don't think it would be this huge, like, like mystery for the sister, like what's going on in the shed, yeah. especially if she's been there for a while, because you know, Sean's always going to be in there. And it's not. I like think a... you're right. It was more actually that he's got the engagement ring right. and he's putting a package in there, or she's just trying to catch him with something. And right. I haven't worked it up, but you'd have to. She'd have to suspect he's, you know, stupidly suspect something big is yeah, going yeah. on in some way. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's solid though. I like it. I like all of that. I will say, tiny spoilers. There are some similarities like a little color a few a few little things between nice. yours and mine which is nice we both sort of that never happens so that's good so i'm excited just in terms of a tiny a couple of tiny tiny things but generally um well not even generally all 100 i i love that that was great that was yeah and yeah and i can the essence of sean and peg's performance uh came through there uh, palpably uh, so I like that. I like that quite a bit, Jimmy. Yeah. yeah. Okay, Sheppy. Well, th- let me uh, let me throw the ball to you, sir. But I'm going to ask you something. So a bit of a before I jump in, because there was something that I didn't ask at, at the beginning. So whilst we were in between, mentioned the Romeros mm. um, and so on. Uh, in terms of other zombie, we talked about Walking Dead, and we talked about the remake, the Snyder James Gunn remake of Dawn. Um, what about like did you see like the new Snyder like the zombies in Vegas film oh I did yeah 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 I quite enjoyed it but I can't even tell you what blood what yeah because then you've got thingy driving a helicopter and stuff haven't you and oh right. god yeah well fair yeah. enough so it I thought it was good yeah. yeah what do you think it was a bit it was okay uh, it was yeah. okay I mean Snyder I liked is a it fairly... follows oh it follows yeah would you call that a zombie I wouldn't but, no, okay. But um, but it's okay. got a similar thing around like the, the, the walking slowly yeah. and catching up with you eventually. Yeah. Yes, yes, definitely, definitely. In terms of um, yeah, no, the Snyder is okay. Snyder's Snyder in it, uh, you know, he, he's the thing visually could be brilliant. A zombie in a way, not really, but in a way. Do you know what I mean? There's something around like, you know, look, zombie is very specific and those films have got elements of it, you know, bitten by it, you're done for, or like, you know, it's coming for you slowly or like, you know what I mean? Yeah. It follows is, is, is something else. You can go to the other end of the world and this thing's going to walk under yeah. the sea or whatever and just eventually that's reach you. amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And that. That, that's, so that's like on a different level too, you know, mm. and it's very specific. It's, it's not a zombie, but it does have that element for sure. Um, in terms of other stuff, oh yeah, the um, what about Twenty Eight Days Later? Danny Boyle doesn't like calling that a zombie, but it, of course it's a zombie. Um, and again, it's running fast zombies. But yeah, I'm a Brendan Gleeson. Yeah, when he in gets the eye, yeah, yeah, 
that's yeah that's great I i'm a big fan yeah oh, weeks with i saw Wang. it at the cinema um, oh, wow. and i haven't seen it since yeah it was good I remember it being fine, good and everything, but I didn't love love. It, I was surprised. I was expecting it to be toned down, you know, and it's not. It's really hardcore and, you know, nasty. So that's nice. But I didn't like it half as much as, as Dane's. Um, but certainly that works. Um, so, yeah, okay. So anyway, I just really wanted to mention that. But in terms of, you know, 28 Days Later is up there for me in terms of, but yeah, it does massively, and this is Alex Garland who wrote it, but it, I have to say it massively, well, uh, you could even say Walking Dead rips off the beginning of 28 Days Later, but 28 Days Later totally rips off uh, Day of the Triffids to the point of waking up after a little coma and the world's gone to fuck. And, it's just, and, and also the second half of 28 Days Later on the army base with Psycho Eccleston and his battalion, mm. that's a massive ripoff of Day of the Triffids as well. I'm not knocking it, it's all good, but it's surprised, you know, they should have given it a story credit, you know, it's yeah. it's weird that they that they didn't. But there you go, they, they never mention it. And I, by the way, I've never read Day of the Triffids, but I saw, I think it was the early 80s BBC version, and I was watching that, this is again, ages and ages ago, but I was like, oh no, it really is very similar um so in in for those beats for those plot points yeah mm. but anyway i just mentioned that but i like it all i like it all very much and there are other zombie things that i'm not like i'm blanking on at the moment but that's that's the main gist of it i think and it's it's solid and i like apop apocalyptic stuff so you know and also end of the world and what happens when society falls and so on yeah it's all good so I like it. All right, so I'm going to jump in on mine. Um, um, yeah, yeah, okay. Well, I'll tell you this. Like I say, it's got a couple of similarities. I mean, just in terms of, well, we'll get to it, but just in terms of we both thought the same sort of thing. In answer to your question, I'm not sure if I gave you a proper answer in terms of yours um, and should Liz make it or not. I have to say this comes back to me and my sequel thing where I don't like it with certain things that you've, you know, you've gone through all of this. It's like uh, Newt um, dying in the, in the credit sequence of Alien 3. Yeah. I randomly, maybe it's because that Alien trilogy, each film, it's like the first three Mission Impossibles. They're so, you know, of the director and they're, they're their own genre. And so because three is so different to, aliens and alien that I've always totally forgiven it for that and I can't imagine Newt being in that film you'd have to make something totally different and I've always kind of respected the fact that they never made aliens too which would have been the logical choice so anyway killing Liz would be a problem for me just from that because the whole first film is Sean getting to Liz and then them surviving together yeah so that would be my only you know which would which would rankle my rankles a little bit but yeah, yeah. by the way did Constantine and the sister survive your yeah, version they're together and it's the trading nice. places for some. yeah right, absolutely right. good yeah good, good. that's lovely well I like it um all right so I'll, I'll just jump in on mine <clears throat> I'm gonna tell you that the plot of mine the whole the whole plot not not beat for beat, but the very, very, 
you know, it all came to me immediately when I was sitting down and I was thinking of the title. And like you say, you know, you, you went with the classic and did sure did it too. But as soon as this title came to me, and it's another zombie pun title, then yeah, the, the very broad strokes of the entire plot just popped into my head immediately. Um, it, it was, uh, which was very gratifying. Um, so the film is called uh, Night of the Living Ed. And it's... Uh, <laughs> so, so there you go. Um, Line me and, up. Retire should be up. <laughs> and I got it as 2008, so four years later, but maybe that's too much. I, I guess I didn't want it to come out the same year as Hot Fuzz, and I don't want it to be two years, three years so maybe it is, in fact, instead of Hot Fuzz, and Hot Fuzz comes a few years later. Um, so maybe 2007, 2008. I've got quite a large cast here, and maybe I'll just read it out really quickly, um, or maybe I'll just, in, maybe it'll be better if I just, you know, when the characters pop up, um, I'll, I'll mention it. But I'll, I'll, so yeah, I'll do that. But I will say, obviously, it's Simon Pegg, it's Nick Frost, it's Kate Ashfield. Uh, Rafe Spool is back um, as the guy who worked with, with Sean originally. Nice. Um, and like you, I've got in uh, Paddy Constantine. He, he's there. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you one other person here who I don't mention at all. He's got to be, he'll pop up on the TV at some point or something, but I've got Nicolas Cage as the president. Um, not not, oh a, not a large. Yeah, I've just got that. But, uh, you know, that's not integral to the plot at all. It'll just be like a little cameo. Um, and I, I, I will tell you one other name I've got in this, and I really ummed and ahed over this because it's so me, it's kind of almost like self-indulgent to, to my own taste. But I will say that I'm pretty sure Edgar would agree with me on this. And because you've got Dalton and Brosnan in the other two of his, so I've gone with, with Roger Moore is, is in this as well, because I figure that's not me just paying service to myself. I can imagine Roger Moore in 2007 being in this film with Edgar. So that makes me very happy. Right, yeah. And I hope it. he's playing, what's the guy in, um, <laughs> oh God, it's not, is it the omen or the person who really <laughs> understands what the devil's up to? You know, oh, that kind oh of right, character, the, the kind know. of the Patrick Troughton type. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what he does understand, and I'm not going to say anything else at this all right, point. All right, all um, right. <laughs> but there are, other, there are other people, but I guess I won't mention anyone else until the characters pop up. <clears throat> so, um, Night of the Living Ed, it's three years later, let's say, and another point that you and I have shared, Sean and Liz are engaged to be married, um, and the date is looming in four short weeks. Now, everyone assumes that Sean is a tiny bit worried about this, you know, typically that's the sort of stereotype in this sort of situation. Um, but, you know, despite his constant statements that he's not only ready for marriage, but he's actively looking forward to it, you know, um, and there is a kind of a, a twist in a way that we find out that he is, you know, he genuinely is up for getting married. And actually it's Liz who's having kind of a, a, a wobble. Um, I'm just gonna say this, this is like a, this is a spoiler, but there's a twist um, where we find out about midway through, we reveal 
that Liz is secretly freaking out about the upcoming marriage. And that's why she is uh, instrumental in what happens in the plot in, in terms of taking them out of their safety zone because we find out and there's like this dark confession scene at some point in the second half of the film where she's saying, this is all my fault, Sean, you know, and it's because, you know, we thought after the, the previous zombie apocalypse, you know, that brought them together so much and she was hoping that a second adventure would rekindle her own feelings because she's, she's scared, you know, she's worried if her feelings for him are waning. The truth is, it's, not, it's just not as intense as it was after the events of the first film, because uh, how could it not be? But yeah, how could it be? But she interprets the intensity's absence as a huge negative, even though, of course, it's unrealistic to assume that this feeling would maintain months and years after an event like the zombie outbreak, you know? So that's her main arc, really. Having this secret about actually having a wobble about the wedding, having that revealed, um, but at the end, you know, get spoiler, she survived. Um, it ends with her finding a stronger, deeper connection with Sean than ever before, and all of that. And you don't need like a life-threatening situation to, you know, kindle love and all that sort of thing. So that's nice. that's nice. Yeah. Um, so in the beginning of the film, they're all living in the house still. Um, Ed's in the shed. Um, Again, like we're talking, we go into Liz's family a little bit, much like yourself. Liz's parents are going to be coming to stay, um, which is more stress for her again. And Sean is much better at taking things in his stride these days. Um, adding to all of this, and this is another similarity, her sibling, but I've gone with her brother, has already moved to the city uh, to be close. And this is the intense and mildly intimidating failed policeman who's called Harper, and this is played by Paddy Constantine. So there you go. Um, so that's Liz's brother, um, and he is, yeah, kind of intense. By the way, I saw, I rewatched um, with Marta, we watched um, A Room for Romeo Brass recently, and I hadn't seen that for a very long time, and that was Constantine's, like, arrival, you know, as a as, you know, force to be reckoned with. And I do recommend it to anyone who hasn't yeah, seen that seen film. It. No, it's great. I mean, Shane Meadows in it, he's great. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's good. So anyway, so Constantine's on my mind a lot at the moment. So Ed is still in the shed and everything's the same there. Sean has been training him for best man duties, but he keeps eating the ring. And as Sean says, he just can't pull off a morning suit anymore. Uh, then something starts to happen to the world's zombies who are still knocking about in their menial capacities as we saw at the end of the first film. But they all start to show the massive urge to migrate. Dozens and then hundreds and then thousands all around the world are now mindlessly trying to break from their containment areas around the world. Um, and they're all pointing and heading and trying to travel in the same direction, or your compass point. And the exact location uh, that the world's zombies are all focused on is de deducted to be for some as yet inexplicable reason, the city of Milton Keynes uh, in, in England. <clears throat> I've got, there's, a, there's a little point as well that I think um, at a certain point, I don't know if anyone knows this, I hope you do, Milton Keynes is the city where they filmed Superman IV, the quest for peace in uh, 1987. Oh my and God. <laughs> because of this, yeah, that's a cheap film. 
But because of that, Sean and Ed have always had, you know, before the zombie thing, had always planned a pilgrimage to Milton Keynes because, uh, let's say, they, they watched Superman 4 on their 12th birthday or something. <laughs> and so that's just one little regret that Sean always had, like, of not going <clears throat> to, with Ed to Milton Keynes on this, on this yeah, pilgrimage. Um, but more than that, one zombie in a thousand starts um, to semi-revert uh, to different degrees, and then maybe even one or two zombies in a thousand are reverting to, let's say, mostly human. Um, we find out on TV that, quote-unquote, a leading zombie scientist, and that's Roger Moore, on the telly, announces these changes um, will occur for 24 hours and then the zombies will revert back to being pure zombie. And some will be like 90% zombie, some will be 10% zombie, uh, some will be even 99% human, but, it's, you know, but it's, it's not going to last forever, but it's certainly connected, it seems, to this pull towards Milton Keynes. Um, so Ed starts to revert, and he's shifting back and forth between like 10% and 90%. And you know, Liz is like, in terms of being human, is he 90% human right now or 10% right now? And Sean's like, pretty sure he's 100% human right now, actually. Uh, Sean and Liz decide to take him out of the city. And this is what Liz is like really spearheading to, you know, let, let's take him cross country. Let's get him to Milton Keynes. It must all be connected. And if there's a way that he can stay as human or as close to human as possible, then we should do it. Um, but of course, you know, everyone is under orders from the government, you know, in the army, stay home, don't, you know, and zombies are going to be out and about. A lot of them have broken out of their containment you know, areas. And so, you know, it's always been, you know, there's been a large military presence in, you know, in England since all of this. But now it's you know, really ramping up again and everyone's being told, stay at home. We'll deal with all the wandering zombies who have got out. But you know, no one is allowed to go to Milton Keynes, basically. Um, Milton Keynes and the surrounding countryside have been cordoned off since the zombie ap apocalypse by the army. The official reason has always been very vague and something to do with radiation. But perhaps this cover story is, as Ed puts it, as weak as a vegetarian's handshake. Indeed, the city, in fact, contains something very top secret and very dangerous, no doubt linked to the zombies and even maybe the cause of the original outbreak. The city is off limits to everyone under martial law. Uh, we see on TV a press conference uh, with the like chief inspector of Scotland Yard played by Alison McGowan, I've got here, and maybe the captain of the British Special Forces, who I've got is Jason Isaacs. And I've got a little scene Boy. here. Yeah, right? Love a bit of Isaacs. So let's say the inspector is giving this uh, address to any of the press are there, and it's, you know, lots of cameras clicking and things. He's like, uh, the chief inspector is saying, any man, woman or zombie seen within the county borders of Milton Keynes will be shot on sight. There's like a scruffy journalist who now I'm totally going to say is Adam Buxton, who wasn't on my mind at all. But now you've said that. <laughs> so I'm saying the scruffy journal is Adam Buxton. And he's like, um, he says, what about dogs? And the inspector's like, dogs? And he's like, yeah, any dog's going to be shot if they're spotted nearby. And the inspector's, I wouldn't have thought so, no. Well, what if it's rabid? 
well, I'm sure there are other facilities more equipped to handle any sudden issues with a rabid dog. And then a posh journal is like, so you're saying the British Army is, has not the time nor training to take care of domestic issues. And the inspector's like, what? what? No, what, what I'm saying is there are other, and scruffy journal, what about cats? Cats? Yeah, what if any rabid cats are spotted nearby? Can we count on the armed forces to deal with it? And the inspectors, again, I don't think it falls within the army's purview to shoot cats, rabid or otherwise. And a female journalist is, so you're saying the army just isn't up to it. And all the other journals all suddenly you know, scribbling frantically into their notebooks. And the captains, they go, no, no, not at all. The British army is more than capable of shooting a few cats. And then the posh journals, but not dogs. And the captain, very impatient, dogs, cats, birds, squirrels, the British armed forces can and will shoot these or any other animal, woodland or domestic, should the need arise. And the inspector's like, the police force too. So the scruffy journo is like, so what does the police have against animals exactly? And all the journalists oh just look up at one at the inspector or their pens poised. And that's just the end of that little scene. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's a little taste. Um, so Milton Keynes, again, this whole area, it's very, very close encounters. You know what I mean? About, you know, um, this sort of cordoned off city and the countryside around it. And, you know, you're not allowed and there are army checkpoints around and everything like that. Nice. Yeah. So, so Sean and Liz, with her brother in tow, decide to take Ed out of London um, and, you know, and you need travel passes to move around the country anyway, but they're going to smuggle Ed out. And, you know, there are little funny moments where they, they, you know, they reach a checkpoint and they have to convince that like a checkpoint guard, you know, that you know, a duo that Ed's just stupid, but not a zombie. There's like funny interplay there. Um, they must get uh, through the countryside and reach Milton Keynes, get past the barricades and checkpoints, reach the centre of the city, find what will turn out to be the military labs, very high security uh, laboratories and so forth. Um, and then it's sort of like a computer game. They have to get further and further in through the city and then into the, uh, let's say, military labs to the red level uh, there to discover what it is that's cooling the, the zombies and the human hybrids and why. So along the way, they're traveling cross country now. Uh, the group grows as they pick up others, each with their own reasons for wanting to reach Milton Keynes. The first is Noel, and that's Rafe Spool, um, the ex-client of Ed and ex-co-worker of Sean. Um, there's a recurring joke about how Sean keeps trying to keep him, you know, he keeps trying to call him an ex-employee and not a, a co-worker. And again, his little scene, Sean is like, we weren't co-workers though, were we? And Noel's like, because you never got any work done. And Sean's like, no, I mean, no, but we didn't work together, I mean. I was your boss. Were you though? Yes. Were you though? Yes. Mr. Harris was the boss. Mr. Harris was the manager, but I was your supervisor, but not the boss. Supervisor is a boss. Is it though? Yes. He takes a breath. Look, I'm just saying we weren't co-workers. We weren't on the same level. Noel's like, we're still not. We weren't equals. No, we aren't. Well, we are now. Are we though? Yes. So 
Noel uh, comes um, with them because it's in his interest because, you know, Ed was his main dealer and he wants him to be cured if possible. But also he's heard that Milton Keynes has the largest surplus of recreational drugs in the Western Hemisphere. They also meet a conspiracy theorist couple along the way who join them. This is uh, Olivia Coleman and Bill Bailey who are traveling uh, to be proved right that the government has been growing super zombie mecha robots and they plan on exposing this. They also meet a couple, an older couple, who are played by Robert Lindsay and Jane Seymour, taking, oh their, uh, yeah, taking their early uh, 20s daughter, let's say, who's played by Jennifer Ellison. Do you remember Jennifer Ellison? She was sort of around between her inspiration. I think yeah. she started on Brookside and stuff. Um, so yeah, Jennifer Ellison, she, she's in the same position as Ed. She's like semi-zombie and they're hoping for a cure. Doesn't help Sean and Liz's relationship or even semi-zombie Ed's refound libido that this lady, this daughter is smoking hot, even when she's a snarling, dribbling face biter. Uh, so they're all together. Also, they meet uh, a local countryside nutter who's Steve Coogan. Uh, an angry farmer, <laughs> Pete Postlethwaite, a deranged priest, Tom Baker, a slightly sinister <laughs> older couple, Honor Blackman and Richard Griffiths, and a few others. <laughs> <laughs> now, most of these characters are lost along the way, some in humorous ways, others in very dark and tragic ways. Um, I will say uh, Liz's brother, Paddy Considine, at some point, probably in the second half, in fact, definitely in the second half, probably once they get inside Milton Keynes itself, um, he's killed after he finally opens up about, you know, to her and they bond because he's always been a bit of a prick, but he opens up about his failings as a policeman and as a human and worst of all, his failings as a brother. So they bond and then, of course, meets his end. Um, as they finally reach the city and security becomes tighter and tighter, they have run-ins with various sorts and some shady military types, including some from America who are there uh, because this apparently is the ground zero of the zombie plague. And they all have their own secrets and agendas and orders. Uh, we have like a government chief spook, who I've got as Michael Gambon, and um, like a, a dogged journalist who's Jeff Goldblum. And oh my I, God. We have a furtive scientist and I got him as Harry Hamlin, who some people might know from, uh, he was in Mad Men. He was also in L.A. Law, but I always know him as Perseus in the original Clash of the Titans. And I assume Edgar is like me and loves a bit of Clash of the Titans. So he's there. Um, we also have a U.S. general um, called General Hayes. And this is played by Sam Jones, who played Flash Gordon back in the day. So that's, <laughs> that's solid. Um, General Hayes, Sam Jones, um, he actually ends up becoming, spoilers, the central villain here. Um, and also waiting for them uh, at Ground Zero is this chief scientist, Roger Moore. Once inside the city, the surviving members of the group must get past the military guards and the scientists and the mercenaries and the other weirdos who have broken into the city, as well, of course, as the hundreds, if not thousands of zombies who have managed to follow their calling and reach the city. Uh, so the group of heroes that finally reach their final objective, the military labs at the heart of the city. 
they must breach this top secret building, get further and deeper inside to the top and to the heart of it all, the uh, ultra labs, where which are all shiny and futuristic and stuff. And here we, we discover that Roger Moore's scientist is actually um, a main power player here. He is all about the cover-up. And more than that, there's something else brewing in these labs deep inside the top secret Forbidden City. Something that, Roger says, must not ever get out. It will make the zombies look like houseplants. And he has a Welsh assistant who's like, even azaleas, and more deadpans him with a classic more deadpan look. Uh, a pair of research scientists are also there working for the army. Um, for some reason, I've got the guy as Max von Sydow, but I don't know if he might be too old for this kind of character. <laughs> the, the, the female is a mini driver, uh, and they appear to be helpful, but are less than trustworthy, and they do betray the group, and certainly Sydow meets a nasty end. Uh, at some point, by the way, Goldblum, who joins them and is a good guy, but he gets trapped in a radiation room and he boils from the inside and green guts spray out from his neck stump after his head explodes. <laughs> yeah, poor old Goldblum, so it ends badly for him. Um, also, a shocking moment when Mini Driver's scientist uh, actually looks like she's going to have second thoughts and she starts to help the heroes, and then the general, Sam Jones, reveals his true colours, and with no warning at all, he pulls out his sidearm and shoots Mini Driver in the head. Um, and he is truly a nasty character. And by the way, he meets his end in a nasty way. Uh, he's falling off the roof and he's holding on to a railing and um, below is a helicopter with the spinning oh. rotor blades. And he's hanging when zombies grab his arms and they start eating him whilst his feet and then legs meet the blades. And so his arms and head are eaten as his feet and legs are pureed and he slowly is reduced to a torso. <laughs> so that's, that's nasty. Poor old Sam Jones, but he's a nasty man. So then the third act then, the heroes discover the original cause of the zombie outbreak started in the research lab. And more than that, Roger Moore is the power behind the throne. And once Sam Jones is dead, Moore steps up and actually becomes the, the main villain. He created the original virus that started it all, as well as many other nasties. He's been behind the cover-up from the beginning. Uh, and Sam Jones was actually working for him. Uh, so at around the end of act two, actually he's trapped in his lab as the hordes of zombies were about to break through. And he injects himself with some green shit just as the room is overrun and he's covered in zombies. Uh, the rest of the surviving heroes plow on, but as act three really kicks off and the very center of the labs are breached, Roger Moore returns as a super brain zombie, much like Bob from Day of the Dead, uh, and also a mix between the brain gremlin from Gremlins to the new batch. Uh, so he's a zombie, but he's super, super smart. And he's Roger Moore, so what, what else do you want from life? Uh, he's super smart, super suave, and super vicious. He rips the arms off a soldier and the leg off another, and then he kicks and hits the two of them to death. And he says, um, that's what you get for ruining my appetite. Uh, the brain zombie, he is very smart. He's very hungry, massive threat, real uh, scene stealing part, um, and the final big bad to beat. Uh, 
brain zombie locks himself away and apparently perfects his ultimate strain. And, and he says, this will put hairs on his chest. And the Welsh aide is like, uh, like, oh my God, he's gone round the bloody bend. And he, he actually has joined the heroes at this point. This, I don't know why he's Welsh, but it just, it, it speaks to me. So the film's climax is Roger Moore's brain zombie is about to pump this new ultra hardcore shit, which we don't know exactly what it will do, but he's going to pump it out into the air, which will then just spread to the ear you know, and eventually around the entire globe and turn everyone. Um, the last, this scientist, the Welsh aide, uh, you know, he's like, sees this, he's like, this is my final victory. And he's like, huh, the azaleas? And Sean and Liz look at him like, huh? Uh, Moore is seconds away from releasing this new strain when Liz actually steps up as the proper hero. She pulls the plug and stops it from getting out. And Rog turns to her with malicious intent. And he says, you'll pay for that. And Liz says, brains before beauty. And she takes his head off with a croquet mallet, uh, which again, it's a nice <laughs> twist on the cricket bat. And yeah, maybe, maybe he just pops it down and like pops his head or something. But she kills Roger Moore's brain zombie. Um, Ed, of course, has been there as well. Um, and he does something mainly accidental, but he helps the heroes find the cure. They stop it all getting out. They also sever the link. So the zombies stop and maybe they all even revert. The closer you are to Milton Keynes, the, the quicker you revert to being human again. And of course, Ed ends up being back to basically normal. Um, and so the end, the zombie plague is over once and for all, uh, with most now slowly reverting back to human. We have a news clip at the end which shows husbands and children turned away from home or made still to live in the shed. And we see a housewife interview being like, well, we've just got so used to having them in there, really. It seems a shame to let them back in the house. We have like a clip from <laughs> Trisha or something which shows a girlfriend addressing Trisha in the audience. You know, I liked him better before. I just don't see it working out now. He's like this again. And the camera pulls out and we see this gutted boyfriend sitting next to her. Um, Sean and Liz is uh, love is stronger than ever. All seems right with the world. And Ed, Ed is still a terrible best man. Um, so we keep all the way through and that's, and then we have a little epilogue, but all the way through, we've heard, especially from Brain Zombie, about the other effects that are in the lab. There are other things, other strains that will get out there and do crazy damage. Uh, and we were constantly told of how things could have been so much worse, and zombies are the least of it. Uh, the final scene is the wedding, and uh, Liz is walking down the aisle, and Sean and Ed are watching her and Sean glows in the moment. Members of the congregation are sort of shifting in their seats a bit, someone sort of scratching under their collar, someone behind their ear. Um, as, they, uh, as Liz and Sean say their vows, uh, the sun goes behind a cloud and we hold on Sean and Liz looking deeply into each other's eyes uh, until this, and you know, so I do, I bloody do as well. Uh, until this spell is broken by uh, Ed suddenly saying, bloody fucking fanny sticks and Sean and Liz turn to find half the congregation have turned into werewolves uh, <laughs> Ed can't hide his glee Liz says it's half the bloody guests and Sean says bride or groom uh, the priest makes a run for it 
and is set upon by Liz's mother, who is werewolfed up, and this priest is whipped to shreds. Liz is like, oh, bugger it. Sean's like, so much for the honeymoon. And Ed's like, oh, honeymoon. And he and Sean high five. Uh, we pull back. <laughs> right, <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we pull back as Ed grabs a long and heavy candlestick thing from the altar. Sean takes the metal cover from the christening font and holds it like a shield. And Liz rips the bridal tra- train off her dress and takes up the incense holder, holding it like a mace. And the three strike uh, the ultimate hero pose. And Ed says, yeah, boy, and credits. And I figure we'll go into uh, Werewolves of London for the end credits kicking in there. So there you go. And I've got a couple of uh, taglines. Not the best taglines, but a tagline. I've got hungry for more. Uh, I've got who's but with the second? Tell me the <laughs> Oh, well, I, you know what? I, I, I did write in brackets, not with two O's. <laughs> but yeah, hungry for more. That would be a special, special one. Uh, who's for seconds? Um, another one. It's a bite of life. Yeah. And uh, the last tagline is when there's no more room in hell, the dead will walk to Milton Keynes. And that's amazing. That's, that's my uh, Shaun of the Dead too. Two and four are best there, Sheppy. I think in Cheers. terms of the taglines, yeah. <laughs> I can dig it. What an ending, Sheppy! Talk about like you know you just feel people spilling out into the point of the cinema, like buzzing after that ending. It's so cool. <laughs> and by the way, that ending came very, very, very late. That's like, really cool. A week or so after the rest of it was written, it just yeah. Okay, that's that's so nice, man. That's really fun. I love it. I love very it. Very satisfying. It's very different to the first one, Sheps, in tonally, in the not tonally, but like more like the scale mm. of the mission and the adventure. Do you know what I mean? Like you've mm. really got. I mean, I I thought I'd amped it up by taking them international and to Mexico, but you've also got them, you know, fighting off the big bad as well. Mm. The architect of it gets taken out by Liz by them. I think that's really interesting. Like, and I like it. It just, I, I think it's cool. One of the things I've, I actually jarred with me the first time I watched Sean was that they get rescued, you know, and there isn't like a big kind of, you know, the, the, there's there is satisfying when you watch it a second time because you know what's going to happen, but, you know, they just think they're going to die and that's it, and then they don't, and then they get pulled out the pub, basically. You know, like, right, okay. right. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah, that's cool. I mean, it's their story. It's yeah, their, it's cool. Just I, I, it's just nice. Yeah. It's nice you flip that. To find out what we're going to be doing next week. I mean, everyone needs a suave zombie. Well, I love that you had to give Roger a braid, otherwise he couldn't be swap it up. This is something I've been holding very close to my head. Couldn't be able to talk and still have the quick in the eyebrow. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it's like a flawless. Well, thank you, man. Yeah. The next week, Jimbo, now this is something very close to my heart. And ever since you first mooted this podcast, this is something that I always thought, like, this is something that would be nice to do. Um, and it might be the first time I've done something like this. Now, let me do you have any idea what it could possibly be out of any interest and stuff? Not a hoot. Not a hoot. All right. I would have gone right. something TV-ish based on the fact we had some exchanges on TV earlier. Yes. But yeah. 
Well, you're right, Jimbo. It is. It is. It's a TV thing. And I think it's my first time giving a TV. Like some of the things, oh, I suppose Commando. But this, this is like based on a TV. Like Flight of the Navigator became TV and the Commando thing was a TV show of. But this, I think, is my first time of a TV show. Jimbo, ask your sister if she's got it on VHS because mine taped over it. That's right. You're looking green in the gills, Jimmy, but don't get angry. We're going Hulk. We're going Incredible Hulk. We're going the Incredible Hulk. Jimmy, one of the greatest travesties, as you know, is that they never got to finish completely the show with a satisfactory conclusion to what happened to David Bruce Banner. So I say to you, Jimmy, I want like a two-parter, you know, just to give it as much time as you like, uh, conclusion to the TV show, late 70s, early 80s, The Incredible Hulk. I'm very, very excited. Wow. That's some pressure, Sheppy, as well, right? So on this front, right, of course, Bixby and Ferrigno are in it. And yeah. is there a... I mean, it, that show kind of moved off the Marvel canon anyway, didn't it, right? So we don't have yeah, to worry yeah, too certainly. much about the comics. And we, do we have to no, worry no, about the last episode that would have aired prior? Like, where was no, you actually, left? You Which don't. road was no. shoving a lift in the wrong direction? <laughs> right, well, no. I, I would say this about the TV show. You and I have seen episodes. And in fact, I think the last time you and I saw each other, we might even have had a boozy episode watch of an episode. So, and basically, I'll say this. In terms of the show, more or less, every episode was standalone. And so the, what happened in the last episode produced or aired is really rather redundant because essentially every episode was a bottom episode. Of course you need your Bixby and of course you need your Perigno. And I don't want to put like words in your mouth, but it seems to me the only actual arc within the whole show was also Mr. McGee. Yeah. So I'm saying you probably need Jack Colvin um, for that in mind. And what I would say is you would need to revisit the pilot episode. And that's mm. really it, um, because you know the show well enough. I might sling over just a couple of suggestions of possible episodes just for you to have a little gander at, which are very McGee-centric, since, again, it's his relationship. He's the Gerard, if you will, chasing. So his relationship to you know, the Hulk and his relationship to Banner would come into play there. But really, that's it. Um, like I say, there was no larger arc within the show. Every episode was essentially the same structure as well. Amazing. So there you go, yes. Jim. Well, I'll tell you this as well. By the time we come to record it, if your calculations are correct, we may be on the same time zone. Wow. Which makes it very interesting. We could do it over a few beers, maybe, somehow. <laughs> I'm all bloody for it. <laughs> yeah, let's see how all that shakes up. Because yeah, yes. yeah, but that's great, man. Well, Sheppy, Jesus, this is huge. This is huge. I don't know what like my crown jewels would be, but I know this would be one <laughs> of the jewels in the Sheppy crown. So this is very, very exciting. Not to mention testicles. Uh, very much so. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, it's yeah. I believe. I mean, it's been documented. I'm sure when we record the episode, we'll get into you know our yeah. first conversation. Um, and so forth. But yes, it is obviously something that's uh, connected to us and connected to me. 
and hokey hokey rippy rippy rory rory scracky scracky so i'm very very excited jimbo and like i say i've been i've been holding back but it feels like this is the moment to drop the hulk bombshell so ripping i say (laughs) well thank you sheppy i'm so you're not an incredible sulk (laughs) brilliant genius actually i'm all for it We'd love to hear from you. Please reach out to us at shoulderspod.com or shoulderspod at Twitter, Instagram and Facebook.